Did Joel Embiid lose the MVP? Just how good was Paul George in his return? And what even do the Lakers do? It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at John underscore Corrales on Twitter. And I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We're free and available five days a week covering the biggest stories here. And there were a lot of them, despite not a ton of games, John. So let's let's get right into the thick of it with the MVP discussion with the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Philadelphia 76ers 118-116. Giannis with the block, the game-winning block of Embiid as the final play of the game. It was initially ruled a goaltend. They reviewed it. They gave Giannis the block, and that was all she wrote. What do you think of that final play with James Harden taking that three out of a timeout call instead of trying to get the ball to the guy who arguably has been in the MVP conversation all season long in Joel Embiid? So I'm not that I'm really not that upset about that play. That's actually when you look at it, it's kind of why you shoot when you shoot. You you shoot it so you leave enough time to get a rebound and a putback. And that's exactly what happened. And actually, you know, when you have Harden and Embiid, like, yeah, Embiid's the, you know, one of the MVP candidates. We were going to discuss that. But you also got Harden to take shots like that as well. Like, it can be one, it can be the other. With that little time on the clock, you shoot that shot. That's fine. Embiid got the, the rebound. He went for the putback. Giannis made an unbelievable, unbelievable play. Unreal, like, just a defensive player of the year type of play. And that, that was the difference in the game. Like one MVP candidate made an MVP level play and that's the end of it to me. So the play that Philly ran is, is fine because they actually did get the rebound. And if it was against any other team, that's, that's a put back and a win. Yeah, look, it, it was also not supposed to be necessarily that like pull up three from James Harden, who had his first 30 point game for the Sixers. So it's not like he was playing terrible either in this, right? Like he was feeling it and he was doing very no. well. And yeah, they were trying to run a pick and roll with him. And it was just defended unbelievably well by Milwaukee. And in, as you mentioned, right, Joel Embiid gets that rebound. He had the mismatch. He had Drew Holiday on him. He's going to out rebound that guy almost every single time. It was just an incredible play from Giannis, who. That dude is still good, and that Bucks team <laughs> yeah. is like, like really, really good. Uh, not all of a sudden, I don't want to say, but you know they went through a little bit of growing pains there. But forty points, uh, fourteen rebounds for Giannis. Also, oh. seven of ten from free throw range uh, from the line, which is really good for him too. So just that's that's, that's <laughs> oh, the Giannis. Man. That's the Giannis MVP right there, man. This He's been shooting better from the line. He's been doing all of this stuff. Milwaukee has been kind of coasting a little bit for, like, had been kind of coasting a little bit. Now they're turning it on. This is exactly what the reigning champions are kind of supposed to do. This is the formula. And Giannis has been 
awesome. He was awesome in this game. You had MVP candidate versus MVP candidate. And I will say, once again, an MVP candidate walks into Philly and wins, which hurts Joel Embiid's candidacy. And But I will I will give you this hot take. Well, not a hot take, but uh, a, a mildly warm take, that Joel Embiid was the only real loser in this game. Milwaukee won because they won, and they got a great fourth quarter. Uh, they had to make a comeback. Remember, they, they this was a fourth mm-hmm. quarter comeback for Milwaukee. Great fourth quarter from all three of their big three. Philly got a great game from Harden. They got a great game from Tobias Harris. They got a great game from Joel Embiid. If there's anything encouraging for Philly, I say, look, they win by having those three guys look like they might actually be, be starting to figure this out. And they also win by losing and dropping down into the fourth seed, which is, I think, where, where Philly kind of wants to be. They get a Chicago matchup in the first round, which I'm sure they will love. And they probably don't care about who they face Unless it's Milwaukee, if Milwaukee climbs to the top seed, that's a little bit in flux. But I still think that Philly will gladly avoid a Brooklyn Nets, a potential potential Brooklyn Nets matchup. They want to be down in that 3-4 area, so they're fine with this loss too. It's Joel and the MVP, the narrative portion of the MVP, having Giannis come into his house, having had Jokic come into his house, and win in his house. That's Joel is the only loser in this game to me. Yeah, I think that's summed up really well, actually. like They're going to be fine, right? That team is still very, very good. They're going to be just fine. But that's that's a really good point about Giannis coming in, Jokic having come in. Do you think Joel Embiid's slipping a little bit in the MVP rankings because of that? Can we play a little little real or fake? A little Wednesday real or fake game Ooh, there right we now? go. I love it. Let's do it. Let's start sprinkling in. Let's go real or fake crazy today. Real or fake. I'm going to say real or fake. Did Joel Embiid lose the MVP in this game. And I'm going to say yes, because again, there are signature plays in, in, in these campaigns, right? Like you can mix these numbers into little pieces and make cases. Joel has a very strong case for MVP. Giannis does. Jokic does. There are other guys creeping into the discussion, but those three guys are, are like the main three. And now you're looking for tiebreakers because any one of these guys can win. And I don't think there's going to be an uproar. What's the tiebreaker? Well, a game like this or, or, or the narrative, like I said, losing to Jokic at home, losing to Giannis at home. And then you have this snapshot of Embiid going up and getting blocked by Giannis there's like, you're going to start seeing that on the video, the highlight shows that becomes this kind of the, this, this moment that starts to sway the voters because when you are just inundated with this, this kind of poetic type of scene of one MVP candidate blocking another, that starts to kind of sway some of the minds that are out there. So you come out of this and people are not sure where to vote. Giannis, I think, takes a little bit of a lead. Um, you're a car racing guy. There are not that many laps to go. And when you take that late lead, then you start to you start to put yourself in a good spot to win this race. 
I guess it's, uh, you know, it depends on who you're driving for. I don't know if the last race would have uh, agreed with you in Formula One with that. But no, 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 you're not you're not wrong on some of that, right? Like, this is kind of one of those things where down, down the stretch, you need to be pretty perfect. You don't have margin for error in an MVP race this tight. And so when you have this signature moment for Giannis with that block, right, a defensive play to win the game is much more rare than a made shot. I think that really does stand out to some people. And I think you make a really good point of, okay, things are tied between Giannis and Embiid. What's going to be the most recent memory that maybe tips one in favor of another? Same for Jokic in there too. And I think with how a guy like um, Giannis has played so well recently, and he's getting really good in that mid-range, isn't he too? He's looking like a killer in there. I think he's kind of putting to bed some of the voter fatigue for him. And maybe with how well Jokic has played too, they don't often like to keep going for the same guy and they want to kind of spread this around a little bit to make it more intriguing, but he's playing so well right now. And to be able to dominate this game in the way that he did, you can't ignore that. So I agree with you. I think this probably ended up being the loss uh, that's going to take Embiid out of the MVP race. Yeah. And, you know, you look at some of the more recent um, games against MVP candidates, a, a loss to the um, a loss to the Boston Celtics. You know, you you had uh, who else came in here? Uh, you, I mean, there are other there are other MVP candidates that have come into this. You know, come into Philly and and lost the. When you're looking at the standings, Philly. People look at the standings, first of all, and you see Philly down at four and you go, well, they've slipped a little bit. You also look at their division record They're, you know, they're not great in their division. And then that's that kind of hurts them a little bit. Just all these little things, all these little things pile up. And at this point in the MVP voting, you're looking for reasons to actually not vote for a guy because we know all the reasons to vote for Jokic. We know all the reasons to vote for Giannis and we know all the reasons to vote for Embiid. And I'm not trying to take away from, from, from either of these guys. We're splitting hairs. Now you're trying to, you, you've, the, the voting has flipped and you're trying to figure out which one of these, which two of these three guys, I should say, am I not voting for? That's, that's kind of where we are down the stretch. And, I hate to say it, sorry Philly fans, but these are reasons that people will point to and say, this is why I'm not going to vote for Embiid because of the standing slip and you know the losing on your own home turf. That that stuff tends to matter in the minds of some of these voters. So you you mentioned earlier that you think Philly it, it, as a team, it's not the worst thing for them because they fall down the standings and they now maybe avoid the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Well, the Brooklyn Nets did win over the Detroit Pistons, 130-123. Uh, for the Pistons in this one, by the way, Kate Cunningham looking like the first overall pick, 34 points on the night, 13 of uh, 24 from the field, 5 of 11 from deep alongside 6 assists and 2 steals. He He's starting to really come in his own, though I don't think he really has a realistic shot at rookie of the year. But Nets still getting it done despite it being a little bit closer than they probably would have liked. Yeah, and, and look, this is this is tough for the the people who are really making the case where like the Brooklyn Nets are going to be super dangerous because the Brooklyn Nets are in that eight nine range. They lost to the Charlotte Hornets at home. They struggled to beat the the Detroit Pistons who have been playing better since the All-Star break. Let's give the Detroit Pistons their due. You know, Kook Hill and, and Lockdown Pistons take, you know, feel good 
about this team because I've seen them up close. They've given the Celtics fits. They have they have some really good players. So it's not a, it's not any shame to struggle to beat the Detroit Pistons, but at the same time, this is the Brooklyn Nets. This is supposed to be the big dangerous Brooklyn Nets, and they are fighting to keep that eighth seed so they stay in that seventh eighth game. So you can only you only have to win once to make the official playoff uh, list there. That's they shouldn't be losing in the fourth quarter. They shouldn't be struggling to stop Cade Cunningham the way they were. Again, Cade's Cade, if he played all season, would be a rookie of the year candidate and he's going to be a future star. But it did also show, hey, look, in the playoffs, you're going to face guys that are better than Cade Cunningham. They can't stop these guys. And I I will fully acknowledge that Brooklyn has offensive firepower. They cannot stop people. They cannot stop these teams. And look, they they gave up 123 points to the Pistons. What's going to happen when you face better teams that can actually stop you or at least slow you down? Uh, I personally would be fine if the Celtics, I cover the Celtics, Celtics face the, the, the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Fine. I'm not afraid of the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know why so many people are, I mean, I do know why it's Kevin Durant, but <laughs> he scored 41 in this one. Yeah, he's I, mean, I, I shouldn't say I don't know why, but I mean, I also see past like, okay, Kevin Durant is him, but the rest doesn't, doesn't frighten me at all. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm starting to kind of feel that way with you. Kevin Durant can take you pretty far. Kyrie can still be Kyrie, but at a certain point, you actually have to end possessions for your opponent, and that is not something that they have done a really good job of this season. And seeing them struggle with some teams recently, and you're only going to face better teams in the playoffs, I see why people are starting to fade them a good bit and have been for a little while, and I'm starting to kind of come around to that way of thinking with them. Look, Andre Drummond's not going to give you 14 points and 13 rebounds every single night. <laughs> like there's there's, you know, he he had a great game. They they tried to pull Hack a Drummond in this game and he hit four straight free throws. That's not going to happen. Like like let's let's just be honest here. It takes 41 points from Kevin Durant and they barely squeak by Detroit. And and that's not just Detroit being tough. That's that's just Brooklyn not being a good defensive team. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Like, I think that's totally fair to say. So coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On NBA, Paul George back for the Clippers. Woo! And uh, yeah, that paid Woo! some dividends for the Clippers against Woo! the Utah Jazz after being down 25 points and still getting the win. Let's talk about it. Coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On NBA. But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Prize Picks. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We love this, and I know you will too. And it's super easy. You just pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not playing other players, ones with more time than you. You, more like 10 monitors set up and algorithms and machine learning, figuring out the best secret plays. 
you see the numbers right there. You pick above it or below it, and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. And PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Plus, you get to use the award-winning app that's available both on the App Store and Google Play. And PrizePix offers any prop you can think of. Points scored, rebounds, steals. And PrizePix doesn't just offer the NBA. They have often sort of college basketball, college football in the NFL when they're in season. We're getting baseball right around the corner, soccer, MMA, and more. So for a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Our listeners get $50 for free. If a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point, but you've got to use promo code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available for locked on listeners. Sign up today. Use promo code NBA $50 for free. If a player in your first prize pick entry scores one single point. All right. Thank you for making locked on NBA. Your first listen for your next listen. Check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can't just look at a box score and get all the context around the Chicago Bulls beating the Washington Wizards 107-94. Go listen to Locked On Now to understand what went on in that game. We've got it all the coverage here on Locked On. All right, John, I was I was kind of excited to see Paul George back in the lineup. I think it's been 42 games he's missed. He hasn't played since December. I was not expecting this. I was not expecting this type of performance in this type of game. The late game coming in hot. The Clippers win 121-115 over the Utah Jazz. The same Clippers team that was down 25 points to the Utah Jazz and are just fueled in the fourth, winning that quarter 39-21. to I don't know if I'm more impressed by what the Clippers did, more horrified by what the Jazz did here, which was basically nothing, but Paul George, freaking good. Yeah. Really tremendous in this game. 34 points. Four steals, terrorizing Donovan Mitchell in this game. Six of nine from three, eight of 11 from the free throw line. He he was awesome. Like, I'm I'm a little bit, like, blown away by that one. Everywhere. He was everywhere. He did everything. Um, Very impressive. Um, I wonder what his next game is going to be like. He's going to probably be pretty sore after this one, but he was super, super impressive. very aggressive both ends of the floor again defensive stopper uh a very pure paul george when you said at the beginning of the season your dark horse candidate for mvp was paul george this Man, is what could have been what you're, ta- what you're talking about if he didn't get hurt and he was pulling this kind of stuff without Kawhi, this is the type of game you're talking about but look what a perfect combination for this comeback you have the utah jazz I tweeted out a stat. Their overall net rating for the season is plus 5.3, I think. Their fourth quarter net rating since the All-Star break, because they've been horrible since the All-Star break. Their fourth quarter net rating since the All-Star break is a minus 10. They're like in the bottom five in the NBA. They are terrible in the fourth quarter. This is a constant problem for them. Teams take away the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. They are not letting those lobs come through. And the Utah Jazz are not passing the ball. They're taking pull-up shots. And it's just about a matter of, is Donovan Mitchell going to hit his his pull-up shots? Is Jordan Clarkson going to hit his pull-up shots? And if they're not, they're primed for a collapse. And then on the other side, you have the team 
that keeps coming back from 20-point deficits. So the Clippers are the comeback kings. The Jazz are the collapse kings. And it just, big thunderclap collided in the fourth quarter, and you got what you got. And it was just kind of wild to watch it all unravel to the point where Donovan Mitchell tries to call a timeout that he didn't have and gets a technical foul at the very end. Just as the cherry on top of this crap Sunday for the Utah Jazz. Jazz have a real problem. These fourth quarter collapses are a serious issue for them. Now, look, I I believe the phrase is live rent free in their heads. And that's something the Clippers (laughs) definitely do to the Jazz here a little bit going, you know, going back to playoff series that, okay, hold on that, the, the timeout that he didn't have was wild to me. Yeah. It's just one of those moments, right? That is so funny. He's trying to inbound the ball. He's about to get a five second call and he's, looks at the ref goes timeout and the ref doesn't give it to him because the ref knows they right. don't have a timeout. And then he screams at the ref. That little like, don't do it. It gave him a the little ref is like, like, no, like trying to help him. Yeah, and yeah. then he screams at the ref and it's like emphatically like call the timeout. <laughs> so, so the ref calls the timeout and then they immediately give the technical. And it was just, Oh wow. Like that just kind of defines the collapse that the Utah jazz had. They like Rudy Gobert in that fourth, I thought was rough, right? Harlstein was out playing him for a good chunk of that. He couldn't get a rebound and it seemed like he was doing so much work down low for almost like virtually no return. And I thought that was a big part of the reason why the Clippers managed to come back and win this game was just, as you mentioned, kind of like neutralizing Rudy Gobert and then taking away those lobs on offense. He only took one shot in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, this is, this is a, a consistent thing. When you watch the jazz, they, they no longer pass the ball. Uh, it's all individual stuff. It's all ISO, which is a huge departure uh, from what they, I mean, I'm surprised that they got 23 assists in this game, they they generally are pulling up in that fourth quarter. It was all pull-ups. It was all or or mm-hmm. one ass and a shot. And that you, you didn't get anything. They had one assist in the fourth. That right. That's what I'm talking about. So you, you got nothing from Jordan Clarkson really in the fourth. Donovan Mitchell was okay, but still missing too much. You you know, Jordan Clarkson was a minus 25 on the night. So he was there for the entire collapse. This is just a problem with the Jazz. And so let's go real or fake again, Jake. I'm throwing the real or fakes in impromptu. Real or fake, man, this Utah Jazz is unsustainable the way they are currently built. One of these guys is going to go in the offseason. And I'm talking about a Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell or a name, a big name Utah Jazz player is going to be moved this offseason because this is broken. So I agree with you that we've probably seen them hit their potential and just like we've seen them hit their ceiling. And so you've got to make some changes, but I actually am going to say fake on this. I don't think it's a player that's going to go. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a name, but it's their coach Quinn Snyder who I think is gone. Well, I think you can add both. I agree with you. I think Quinn Snyder is gone. (laughs) I, I agree that Quinn Snyder is gone. I think the rumors are true. Listening to what other people are saying about the rumors. I think that there's, there's certainly something behind that. They may, you may be right. And they may say, let's see if another coach can figure this out. 
the, I, so what I think, I think it's that, right? If you fire your coach, it buys you a little bit more time with this roster to see if you can figure it out. It also might mean you let a guy like Donovan Mitchell more or less kind of pick the next head coach of this team. We've heard some rumors that maybe he's unhappy too. So maybe they go that route to try and appease him a little bit and get him to buy in and really be committed. But it feels like Quinn Snyder for sure is gone. If they do that, I don't think they're going to panic enough to move any of the players. If for some reason they keep Quinn Snyder and look, there's reasons to keep him. Then yeah, you're mixing up this roster. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if Danny Ainge is going to call Brad Stevens and say, uh, Hey buddy, want to reunite? You feel like uh, you get that itch to get back on the sidelines. I don't think he does. <laughs> By the way, I do not think that Brad Stevens does just for my, I've had conversations just around the team. I just don't think that's going to happen. But I just wonder if that call is going to come in um, if Quinn decides to go. But look, I, I also do not put it past Danny Ainge to say, man, this Rudy Gobert thing, it's just not its not working here. Or or maybe it's Donovan Mitchell. I don't think those two guys are, are, are going to be antsy to, to run this thing back. They might, they might say, let's see if a coach can figure this out. And then by next trade deadline, come could up be with different. Something. Yeah, that could be the way they go. But I, I will. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll say it's, it's real that they at least sniff around. It, but I agree with you. It's going to be the coach. And if we extend it out to the next trade deadline, it'll be real. there. You go. <laughs> um, Scratching the parameters a little bit. Oh, you got to try and win at this, right? That's that's the point. You play to win the game. You're here to win a championship of real or fake. Let me throw a real fake at you, though. Going back to Paul George. Ooh, okay, we're just going willing. If to yeah, let's let's have some fun on this. We got a real or fake for the next segment with the Lakers. That's going to be a doozy too. So make sure you all stay tuned for that one coming up here next. Yeah. Real or fake though? Are the Clippers a bit of a dark horse title contender with Paul George? Not with just Paul George. That's fake. Um, but if they get Kawhi back than they are. Um, that is real. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that, but if it's just, if it's just Paul George, but, but just Paul George, I'll give you this. Just Paul George can buy you time. And the, the real question is, are the, the Clippers going to be the eighth seed and face the Suns, which will be not great. Or are they going to be the seventh seed and face the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are better, but they're young. And you could say that there's, you know, the, the, the Clippers defense can figure out ways to slow down the Grizzlies offense. And, and maybe, maybe there's a chance there. You might get the Paul George wills you to a first, first round win. And then you get Kawhi. And now you're off to the races. I don't think Paul George can do it all the way through. And even then, knowing that Phoenix and Memphis are going to be your top two seeds, I'm not entirely confident in that happening. But Paul George certainly helps raise that that standards. And they're long, and they can just they can. I, I just like that their defensive presence. I think that gives them a shot. I'm I'm with you for the most part. That was a quick real or fake there. If if they have if they're the eighth seed and they play the Suns in the first round, no, Paul George isn't gonna help you beat that. Oh, he's gonna help you beat that team, but you're not gonna beat that team, is what I'm trying to say. The Suns are really good. Um all right, coming up though, let's talk about the other LA team because they they played a game, though I'm sure they wish they didn't, and I'm sure Lakers fans but did they wish know? they did 
but but did, did they? they really? Uh, but first, John, what built bars are you eating right now? Oh, I just got a delivery: double chocolate and salted caramel. Brand new box. Cracked them open a few hours ago. Salted caramel is like a candy bar, and that's what all built bars are like. They taste like a candy bar. They have the consistency of a candy bar. They're like no protein bars you've ever had, and that's why the they're the best tasting protein bars out there. They're not chalky. They're not dry. They're not like dense like a brick. I've tried some that are kind of metallic-y and you don't want anything like that. John, I know you love the salted caramel. The double the double chocolate is a secretly good flavor. Oh, my too. God. And it's only 130 calories. So, like, I seriously, I spent 45 minutes on the treadmill because I've uh, got some winter weight that I need to work off. And, like, you know, you put that much time in on a treadmill eating a built Bar that's giving me 17 grams of protein. but only 130 calories, which means I'm still burning more than I take in. Uh, and I get a little reward because double chocolate. I give myself a little <laughs> reward. Congratulations, John. Yay. You did 45 minutes in the treadmill. Have a chocolate, double chocolate bar. These are like my secret weapon. I get like big sugar cravings at times. So I've cut built bars up into little chunks so that when I need to kind of like get that fix, I eat one of these bites. And I feel so much better about my life. And it's not like I'm going to grab a candy bar or other like snacky things. I also travel a lot for work, hence being in a hotel. I have these in my bag all the time just to keep me kind of fueled up on the go. So if you want to give Built Bars a try, and you absolutely should, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCK15. It's what John and I use whenever we order Built Bars for 15% off over at Built.com. And thank you for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every day. We're free and available five days a week, breaking down the biggest stories around the association. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts available on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show, too, and leave a five-star review with a comment. Okay, this is the segment that I've been looking forward to. Here. <laughs> got one more final game, but as John said in the last segment, was it really a game? 128-110, the Dallas Mavericks over the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I could probably talk way longer than I should about this game. No Anthony Davis, no LeBron James. So we shouldn't really expect them to win, right? Like this is kind of about what we expected with this Lakers team. But this was still a horrible, horrible, horrible performance from these guys. It, it begs the so – with the Pelicans kind of being in front of the Lakers for the play in tournament in the ninth seed right now, I went on locked on Lakers the other day, been on a couple of other Lakers podcasts too. They're all miserable covering this team too. And in some capacity, the question comes up of do they need to consider trading LeBron James or Anthony Davis? And Brian Windhorst talked about it on ESPN. Like we don't need to touch this game because Luca was good and no one was good on the Lakers, but real or fake John, the Lakers are going to have discussions with other teams about, let's start with Anthony Davis this offseason. I'm going to say fake because they don't own any of their future draft picks. And there's just no reason for them to go into the tank. And like normally in a situation like this, when you have, a couple of aging veterans, you say, all right, look, good run. You got a championship out of it. LeBron is kind of towards the end of his run, um, whatever. Somebody's going to want him. Somebody's going to give you a ton for Anthony Davis. 
sell off, get all your draft, get all these draft picks and, and just, you know, tank. You have your picks and other people's picks and, and you, you pull the Houston, OKC, Orlando, all of that stuff. But they don't have their own picks. So they can't just rely on other teams' picks because who's going to be trading for Anthony Davis? Teams that are looking for a guy that makes them, that takes them to the next level. So let's say, again, I'll use my team as a hypothetical. The Boston Celtics say, yeah, Anthony yeah. Davis, sure, we'll give you a couple of these guys and our future picks and all of these pick swaps. Great. And now you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Anthony Davis, and you're you're contending for championships. So you're the Lakers, you go into the tank, and you're getting what? The 28th, the 29th, the 30th overall picks? That's not worth it. If you're the Lakers, you just say – You've you've tried to figure things out and you 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 have no choice but to kind of run it back and hopefully you can find minimum contract magic somewhere else. But you gotta find a way to just try it again and maybe find somebody to take Russell Westbrook. I I don't know. I really don't know what their actual plan of attack, but going into the tank just just prolongs the agony because it just it's not going to work like it normally would. I was really hoping you were going to say uh, real because I was going to come in and say fake, and we could at least disagree on this one a little bit. We should have coordinated that. The we problem is we're too it, reasonable. Right? We're just too reasonable. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you, right? Like, and, and so so the one thing with like Anthony Davis, right? And is I think you're starting to kind of see a new consensus about him that he's just probably not the number one guy on a team. And I'm not saying that as like a salty Pelicans fan or no, anything I, like that. I would like, agree with you. Yeah. I, I think everyone at this point is like, you're right. He's he's your number two guy and a really good number two, maybe the best number two you could get in the league, but he's not a number one. So teams trading for him might offer you a little bit less than what the Lakers gave up to get him in the first place. And so it almost then looks like you you lose that trade with the with the Pelicans to a certain degree if you trade him then later for less and that doesn't look great. And as you said, right, they don't own any of their future first round picks. So if you trade him and get picks and you start trying to rebuild, you're hoping to draft a guy as good as Anthony Davis and then develop him to be as good as Anthony Davis or LeBron James, right? Even LeBron now would be a very good draft pick if they turned out like that. What's the point of tanking? What's the point of blowing it up? I've seen a lot of, I think Lakers fans are very frustrated right now and want to blow it up just to kind of like spite everyone on that team. And look, they're, they're putrid right now and things are rough. And Frank Vogel's just got like nothing and doesn't know what to do with these guys. But it feels like you're just stuck with this. Maybe you can move on from Russ or maybe you bring in a new coach. I don't know, like Quinn Snyder to try and really figure out what, you know, to just do something. But to trade any of these guys would would not help you at all, and that's only going to prolong the rebuild they're eventually going to need to go through. I keep looking at Oklahoma City as an example of this, right? They should start to be contending right now, particularly with Gilgis Alexander being so good. But they don't have another true, and maybe they got it in Josh Giddy this year, but they haven't landed on that other true blue chip prospect to kind of be his running mate and to build around. And if you don't have that, it means you need to tank a little bit longer or you should be tanking longer and trying to draft that guy. The Lakers with bad draft picks aren't going to find that guy just like that. It's it's an, if you're, if you're a Lakers fan, this is a terrible situation to be in, but you probably already know that. Yeah, I mean, just, just look, just be thankful you won the championship. You got your championship out of it. 
and I know it's the Lakers and the Lakers want to like be, Oh, one, only one championship. Like, yeah, that's kind of how it works nowadays. And you know, <laughs> be, be glad that you got the one that you did, because if it wasn't for the bubble, you were going down the same road of LeBron nagging injuries, Anthony Davis nagging injuries, and really limping into the playoffs. And who knows what happened. If you didn't get those three months off, I don't even know that you get that one championship. So be glad that you got the one and say, all right, you, you, you now it's on to the next one because they are stuck. They are stuck. And let, let's face it, LeBron's and, and, and Anthony Davis' insistence that the front office go get Westbrook, they're pressuring the front office to do this, backfired, and they all need to take the responsibility. LeBron being passive aggressive the way he has been over the past couple of months doesn't help anything. It doesn't change anything. You guys co-signed this. You guys wanted this, and it has backfired. The only, literally the only hope that the Lakers have moving forward is Russell Westbrook sitting down and having some sort of epiphany and some moment of self-realization and saying, you know what? I know what I used to do and I can't do that anymore. And now I have to change. If we are going to succeed next year, I have to change. And if Russell Westbrook changes and gets into you know more of a that that pick setting role that people talk about the, the a certain style of play that doesn't involve hit, taking three pointers and and kind of like understanding that you are a reduced role type of player if he does that then the lakers might actually have some hope next year but if he says i'm russ and i'm always going to be russ then i'm sorry you're not you're just not russ anymore and that fit doesn't work anymore. If that's the the Westbrook that comes in next season, you're going to see something similar uh, to to this season. You need him to be Rocky from Rocky Four. If I yes, can change yeah. and you can change, everybody exactly. can change. Exactly. And I think that's, that's, that, I just had that played in my head when you were saying that there. I think I think also Lakers fans want him to be uh, from Rocky Four, so they can just send him to Russia. Just get rid of him, right? Just go to Russia. Go. Yeah, go or somewhere in the snow, not Los Angeles, right? Like, get out of here. Go play for another team. And, yeah, I think I think that is – you saw, like, the frustration is really boiling over. He was getting into it with, with the reporters after the game on what I thought wasn't the best question to him. But, yeah, if things are not good there when it comes to the Lakers and all of that. So, thought more over the Locked on Lakers podcast covering – what what might be now that they're not they're not in the playing tournament even more now they no, fell they out of the after, after this, this like and you got to wonder how much they actually just even like do they really want to extend their season and I'm not sure that they actually do can, can we right. can we just throw Nick Angstead a bone and just say Luka Doncic was awesome with Luka the was good thirty four points twelve rebounds twelve assists like I don't want to completely blow past that. Just because he's Nick's like, like the boss of the channel and he's gonna be like, I can't believe you guys didn't mention the triple double. Like, okay, there you go. go. So Luca yeah. had a triple double. Luca was awesome. And, uh, Here's your triple double. Go, go listen to Locked On Mavericks. Locked On Luca. They're they're a great show and they have a lot of fun on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. Locked On Luca. All right. That's gonna do it for today's episode of Locked On NBA on Wednesdays. I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I am John Corrales. 
at John underscore Corrales on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Don't forget, make Locked On NBA your first listen. Subscribe, and we'll see you all next time.